This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with Certified Financial Planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Okay, everybody. So welcome to this week's uh, episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. And we have a treat today. Um, Peyton Hoppus is, uh, is another advisor here at Finan- uh, Parallel Financial. And Peyton is a millennial. And Sp- Peyton uh, specializes in working with millennials. So we're going to actually refrain from any millennial bashing uh, jokes today. But um, Peyton, tell us a little bit about your background. Tell us uh, what you've done in the, uh, in the uh, financial planning world. And, and uh, did you do something cool in college, I think? <laughs> yeah, well, David, thanks for having me, man. It's really exciting. Um, I think this podcast has been really informed. It's been great for people who've been, been able to watch it and listen to it, excuse me. But um, yeah, overall, man, um, I've been in this industry a little over three years and uh, really been enjoying myself and helping clients. I mean, you know, I, I, it seems that just naturally being a millennial, people do gravitate to you. And so a little bit of that has been somewhat of what I've tried to absolutely capitalize on. But uh, some of the other clients I help are retirees. And so it's been, it's really been a blessing to see that. But uh, yeah, my background started um, really in finance. And when I was with, uh, at Clemson University, uh, actually, it's an undergrad in economics. And uh, so I really kind of got the knack for, for investing in finance, things like that. And so I just kind of started poking around with the stock market. And that led to a big, uh, intriguing moment where I decided that I would pursue this a little shortly after I graduated college. Um, but yeah, in college, like you alluded to, I, I was a male cheerleader, so I met my wife there, and um, we were able to uh, stunt together and, and tumble and, and do all, all the cool cheerleading stuff. and got to have a lot of great memories, I cheered some orange bowls, and went to the national championship, the uh, first one Clemson lost, but uh, my wife went to, actually went to the one that we lost and the one we won, so she holds that over my head. She got to experience the one that we won in in uh, 2000, 2018. But uh, yeah, so I've had quite a quite a college career, but going out of that, I really wanted to help people with finance and had a passion to see people make right, you know, smart decisions and help them invest and understand and be educated. And that's a big part of it. Absolutely. No, that's cool. So is big time cheering, is it as dangerous as it looks? I mean, does anybody ever get dropped on their head? Because some of that is freakishly scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, yeah, I mean part of that's true. Yeah, there's absolutely people who have, um, you know, horror stories you hear, but yeah, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's probably uh, the most dangerous, but there's definitely a, a factor to it when you're learning to throw your body around and, and, and to throw another human being in the air and catch them and make sure they're safe. There's a, there's a factor there. It's a big trust factor, um, but there's a little bit of a thrill seeker involved with each cheerleader. So yeah, you could say that for sure. Well, if, uh, uh, if a small woman can trust you to uh, pick her up and throw her, hopefully your clients can trust you to do the right thing with their financial decisions. How's, how's there you that go. Work? That's it. So, That's perfect. That's perfect. So, you know, millennials are, are, um, are a little bit younger than me. And, uh, you know, there may be some debt. There may be some, some, some issues. Um, but everybody wants to make the right financial decisions. So when should yeah. millennials, like, start investing? I mean, do you need hundred thousand dollars um you know talk to me a little bit about investing for people uh in the millennial generation sure sure so i think it's important we define what a millennial is you know recently with all this uh virus going on the uh the big news media is been saying millennials are out on the beaches that's actually not us that's actually not us millennials are roughly 24 
or going on 24 all the way up to age about 38. So that's 1997 uh, would be, we're actually 1996 would be the cutoff, you know, so most millennials have been out of college a year or they're in graduate school or something like that. But I just think that's important to make sure we start with because the people eating Thai pods that I don't, I'm not claiming that. So I want you to be very clear on who we are, who we aren't, but no, millennials as a whole is a giant group, right? Baby boomers were massive. Gen Xers were, were big. And then, and then we've got this massive group of millennials and a lot of them, even in their thirties have been working and have jobs with 401k. So they're kind of naturally investing. So I think more specifically, if you have a job that you're working at that has a, has benefits 403b or 401k, absolutely start as soon as you can get that matched and get rolling. But when it comes to people that are self-employed or maybe starting out in different ways, the company doesn't have benefits. Yeah. So starting early is never a problem and starting late is never a problem. The fact is you're starting. And if you're at the top of the millennial age range, 35, 36, 37, and you're just starting, you probably have a good 30 years to work anyway. You're probably not going to retire till 60, 65, 70. And somewhere in that range, that still gives you a good 30 years to, to, to invest. And, and there's no amount of money that starts. I mean, you, you can say 100 grand, but if you've got 100 grand, investing has probably been a part of your life for a long time. And if you don't have any money, it's the time to start. It's, it's the perfect time, actually, in the markets currently. I've had. Well, why would anybody want to invest when the markets are going down and, and up and down? Yeah. It doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, no. So everybody thinks that, well, the markets went down, we don't want to touch it. And they think when it's at a high, we don't want to touch it. So, so when do we touch it? When, when do we put our money or kind of where our mouth is? And for millennials, you know, that are my age, you know, in, the, in their upper 20s, you know, you're gonna have 30, 40 years of, of, of investment for retirement. And so now is a huge discount. Uh, since January 2nd, 2020, we, we've been down almost 30% in the markets. It's a huge time to get in on that. If it, only, if it even comes back 15%, you just gained 15% you couldn't gain beforehand. If it, if it kind of bounces back a few months from now, once the virus has kind of died down, man, that's, that's beautiful. That's perfect. But at least you got involved early and that'll add up exponentially over time. So it's, it's absolutely crucial. Two grand, $100, 100 grand. Start with something just to get it going. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, and, and I think that word start, I think that's the big word is, is just do something, you know, what you can afford and, and get started. Uh, nobody has Absolutely. as much money as they want right now, but right. Um, you know, moving forward, you know, people get raises, promotions, things like that. There'll, there'll be more Absolutely. money to, uh, to save, uh, save and in, invest. So um, student loans are such a huge topic and mm -hmm. I'm a little bit older than you, and I want to say my tuition was four or five thousand dollars a year. So even with a little bit of debt, paying for part of it, I didn't have much debt um, graduating. Yeah. And, um, and and you hear about these these you know twelve hundred dollar a month student loan payments that kids are graduating with. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and and it's probably pretty stifling for a lot of millennials. So. What, 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 what can you do? Can you refinance? Can you defer? Just give us the student loan kind of 101 for, for people in your sure. generation. Absolutely. So whether you have loans in general, there's always refinancing as an option, but student loans, especially, uh, it's really low interest rates. And, and I was checking, you know, rates the other day and, and luckily I've been able to pay for mine and, and I was very aggressive with my student loans and I didn't, I didn't want them. I wanted to kill them. And, you know, with, with, um, tuition being about eight to 11 grand a, a year. Well, actually really kind of per semester, depending on if you lived on, on campus or not, either way, you know, you're looking at a very, uh, costly, you know, education. And so how do you pay for that? And when you do take loans out, how do you handle those? So 
you know, a big part of that is you can refinance. Um, you know, we have SoFi commercials that come on all the time for refinancing student loans or, or helping, letting them help you. And uh, Citizen Bank, they do one. And, and there's several other um, institutions that will help you refinance. That's absolutely crucial if we can get a lower rate. I mean, right now rates I think are four and a half percent and I think mine was at six, but I paid it off before the rates got to a point where I could get it really any lower than that. Um, so, you know, that's always an option. Reach out to those companies or, or you know, we, we help clients with that all the time. That's an option that we can bring value to the client as well. But besides that, the, uh, the long portion of it, you know, I think a lot of people need to have the understanding and mindset that if you take the loan out, besides voting for Bernie, that you got to pay it back. And there's a big part of that, that um, if you're aggressive, if you're smart, you have a plan and you can execute and attack it, you'll do just fine when it comes to loans. Yeah, they kind of do drag you down. And there's a part of that where you took the responsibility of taking them out. Now you have to deal with them. And how do you do that smart in a smart financial setting? Look at refinancing, look at what your minimum payment is. And then the deferment side of that that you mentioned, uh, my wife actually went back to school to get a um, nursing degree and we deferred her her student loans, at least for the payment side, the interest still built, which, which wasn't much. And the refinancing was an option. She got a really low rate. So we, we deferred until she got out. When she got out, we've started paying it back. And, and she's the only thing we've got left as far as student loans go. And we should be able to knock those out soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's, it's definitely something that seems to play our generation. Um, and it's something that we just don't seem to know how to handle because we didn't see it getting this far. So the education part, I think is important understanding how they, how they work, uh, how much you owe, how you can you defer them? Can we get lower, you know, can we get lower payments. And if you have a, if you're in a rural area, that's a low income, that's you're, you're, you're working that job to help, um, you know, that, that community, you can get lower payments or get, uh, you know, payment forgiveness. If you're a nurse and you, you work in a, a low in, a lower end area or a teacher, it's a tier one. And, and yeah, you can get, um, you know, loan forgiveness and, and payments. So there's all kinds of options. You're not just stuck. It's just being smart with what you have. Okay. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I drive through Clemson university uh, a good little bit, um, in, on the way to my other office and some of the student housing is nicer than my house. So you wonder how much <laughs> of, uh, how much student loan money is going towards housing that is just way, cause college is supposed to be a time where you live in a bug infested place and, and you build character yeah. and uh, now you get a lazy river and granite countertops and everything else. So exactly. it is, it is exactly. a little bit, um, a little bit crazy, but, but nonetheless, you know, that college degree will just earn you so much more money over, over the, Absolutely. Um, over, over your lifetime that it certainly, certainly is, is worth it. So, you know, another thing that can help anybody to build wealth over the long term is home ownership. So when you're balancing paying off student loans, starting to save a little bit of money, buying a home, saving up a down payment, maybe starting a family, those little kids are, are not cheap. Um, how do you advise or what, what is your thought process behind buying a home for someone who's in the millennial generation? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I've got some friends that um, have student loans and friends that don't. And then I have friends who have a house and who don't. And then they have friends that have both, right? And so when it comes to debt, the, really the conversation is based around outside of buying the home. What's, what debt are you going to take on? How do you take it on? So I think a big part outside of my personal belief, just an advisory standpoint, what, what are you going to do with debt? You have to understand that just because you take it out and you have something nice, when you get tired of it, whether it's a car or something you finance, you have to pay for that. So it's really important to understand, first off, 
where your debt is with your student loans, or if you don't have any, then how much can you afford with the house? But once you start that process, it's really, really big that you either attack it or you make sure that it's not going to sink you. And, and I think that's a lot of where millennials feel like they haven't got an understanding of how do you buy a house? How does this payment work? Kind of what are some thresholds uh, to reach before you start either buying a house or really good numbers basically is what it boils down to. And so a big part of that is, yeah, if you want to build wealth, real estate is the way to go. However, if you buy yourself a $200,000 house and you loan yourself $200,000, the bank owns you that, and you start that process, you're not really building anything for the first five to seven years. You're paying a lot of interest. So it's really wise for you to really set a plan in place, set that, you know, action plan to be able to save up. In, in my professional opinion, from my point of view, from my personal opinion, this matches up as well, 10 to 20%. As close to 20 as you can get, because as soon as you get to 20%, if you can put 20% down, you don't pay PMI or property mortgage insurance, and you can knock that off, and that's you know 80 to 100 bucks a month that you don't have to pay. Um, but if you have that 10% mark, at least do 10%. You know, you can get first-time home buyer and get it for three 3%. I, really that that does not sounds great and wonderful but you just put three percent down on the biggest purchase you're ever going to put it down on and you're going to have a big big fat mortgage at the end of the month where you could really knock that down several hundred dollars by saving just a little longer and again in the world of instant gratification i think that's what we deal with biggest in millennials and social media seeing all this stuff that our friends are doing but that's okay let them make that decision i don't know their finances but i know what i can do i know how i can be smart with mine and uh you know coupled with i think still the conversation with student loans is important because you have student loans and you want to buy a house how do you do both you need to make sure you're you're not over committing to something because you student loans you can't sell anything off you got to pay that back your house you can get out from under if you can but we really got to be careful there and so what i generally work with my friends on or millennials in general is try and get you 10 percent we're shooting for 10 percent let's save 10 percent and then we're not going to buy a house that really the payment's going to be more than a quarter of what we take home of what you take home, not gross, but what you take home. You make four grand a month, thousand dollars to be thousand or less for your mortgage payment. If that means putting down twelve percent to get the to get the thousand dollars mortgage payment, then that's what you got to do because we really want to make these numbers work well for you. The bank will give you a whole lot more than that, but it's really important to not just take what everybody will give you. It's what you can afford, how you can handle it, and having a discussion around what that looks like for you personally because not everybody's the same, and you know that. So what's interesting is I bet a lot of your friends and your family would think, hey, Peyton can handle my investments. And you know, maybe Peyton can't, can't control the stock market, but he knows how to invest money. Um, we just spent the last five or 10 minutes and we didn't talk about the stock market at all. We talked about some other financial decisions that could be as impactful as Absolutely. your investments, but it's part of an overall financial plan. So one of the things that it's important for our clients to remember is, yeah, the markets are important. Yes, we need to know where to invest our money. But yes, we also oftentimes need the advice of a professional to help us decide how much home can we afford. You know, if yeah. you can afford a $150,000 home comfortably, um, and you can barely afford a $300,000 home, and then you buy the $300,000 home, that's a 30-year mistake. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's where a good financial advisor could say, look, hey, you can kind of afford this, but let's back it down a little bit so we're not doing the whole. So that um, that's very, that's exciting. And, and to hear to hear your expertise in that uh, is, is very exciting. So if anybody, uh, whether they're millennials or, or not millennials, wanted to um, you know, have a consultation or get in touch with you, what's the best way to get in touch with you? And uh, what is your process for working with clients? Yeah, absolutely. So 
we at Parallel, we've got uh, a great team here. And so a lot of our process, I'll talk about that first because the uh, contact info is super, super simple. But uh, the process is really sitting on the client 100% free just to talk because we got to figure out if we're going to work together first. Talk about it, whether that's doing the investing, doing the financial planning, insurance, working with business owners, because that's also who I work with. Um, just really understanding how that how that works together, the relationship that we may be able to build there, or uh, what, what you guys are really looking for in general, because that's really where it starts. Start from there, then we start talking about what the, what the plan is. How, how can we execute what you're looking for? And going down that path of the client, kind of setting out some goals a little bit further out and some meetings further out to sit down and meet and talk about certain things and, and go over some stuff that we can help them with. And obviously engage with them in uh, financial planning or investing and in, in insurance and, and sitting down and continuing that conversation over the period of the relationship, however that may be 30 years or if it's just three months, they just need a little bit of help with insurance and, and, and whatnot. That's that's what we do. But we sit down and make sure we're talking with you about what you need, not what we think you need. And that's the biggest part. It's probably the biggest thing we start with was just talking, seeing what you can what you need and see what we can offer and, and going from there. And uh, then setting out a plan and an action plan to go get it done. So uh, but oh also with uh, with that, obviously the, the contact information, yeah. So you can you can reach me at uh, uh, in my email, uh, it's, it's going to be Peyton. It's P-E-Y-T-O-N. It's, it's E is for a male. A is, is what usually everybody tries to put for a male. But just like Peyton Manning, Peyton, P-E-Y-T-O-N, at parallelfinancial.com. That's my email address. And, uh, you know, we'd love to sit down and help anybody that, uh, that may need it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed chatting with this. This was a, a good, informative conversation that focused on some things that we can control and, and especially nowadays we cannot control the stock markets, uh, but yeah. we certainly can control if we're looking to pay off some debt earlier or buy a house that we can afford. So I uh, would love to have you on frequently and we can discuss more topics that uh, apply to, uh, to the millennials. Heck yeah. Well, I love it. Thank you so much, David. I appreciate it, man. It's been fun. This was great to talk about. I'm glad I could get it out there and get, uh, get some good information out to people who may be listening. Well, that was a fun interview with Peyton Hoppus. He's one of the advisors here at Parallel Financial. If you would like to contact Peyton, uh, his email is Peyton, P-E-Y-T-O-N, at ParallelFinancial.com. He would love to have a, either a phone conversation or a Zoom conversation to see if he can point you in the right direction. And while you're at it, we would certainly love a positive review and for you to like and subscribe to our podcast and share it with anybody who you think might benefit. So until next week, uh, we wish you a blessed week. Thank you.